Welcome to another edition of Focus on the Kingdom. I'm Anthony Buzzard, inviting you again to search the Scriptures with us as we investigate Jesus' favorite topic, the Gospel of the Kingdom of God. We've been pointing out in this series of programs focusing on the Kingdom of God that Jesus was a Jew who must be understood in his first century Palestinian background. Jesus was not a 20th century American using our categories of thought. We in the West have been heavily influenced by Greek philosophical ways of thinking. Indeed, in the second century, shortly after the death of the apostles, there occurred in the church an enormous influx of Greek philosophical ideas which disturbed the simple purity of the Bible, which is essentially a Jewish book. I'm sure you realize that the Bible was written by Jewish authors. The Bible, in fact, is a library of books written over some 1,500 years. And the authors of those books which comprise our Bible, the 77% of our Bible, which is the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament, and that other quarter of the Bible, the New Testament, those books were written by Jewish people, with one exception. Luke was almost certainly a Gentile. He wrote a considerable amount of the New Testament, probably over a quarter of it. But his thinking is thoroughly Jewish, as is the thinking of the other writers. You see, Jesus did not believe in the things that the Greek philosophers believed in. And yet, after Bible times, the leadership of the church fell into Gentile hands. The major so-called church fathers, whose writings have been celebrated as Christian documents, were heavily influenced by Greek philosophy. Now, the process by which Greek philosophical ideas invaded and confused the New Testament was a slow one. It began shortly after the death of the apostles. In fact, the apostles themselves fought constantly with the invasion and the intrusion of Greek philosophical ideas, which tended to muddle and confuse the purity of their own apostolic teaching. In 150 A.D., we hear the following from a celebrated leader in the church. He said this, If you meet people who say that when they die, their souls go to heaven, do not believe that they're Christians. That's a statement from Justin Martyr, writing around 150 or 160 A.D. Let me give it to you again. If you meet some who say that when they die, they expect that their souls will go to heaven, do not believe that they're Christians. End of quotation from Justin Martyr. I'd like to send you a copy of that quotation for your own personal Bible study and meditation at home. You can write to us at the address to be given at the end of this program, or contact us at the 800 number, or email us if suitable. Now, my point in bringing that quotation to your attention is simply this, that in 150 A.D., Christianity was a different thing from the Christianity you know today. Today, if somebody says he believes his soul goes to heaven at death, this would be normal, standard Christian talk. It would be the general belief of thousands of Bible readers and church attenders. But in 150 A.D., quite the opposite is true. If, as this writer in 150 A.D. states, if you meet people saying and claiming that their souls go to heaven when they die, do not presume to believe that they are Christians. You see, in 150 A.D., it was completely foreign to the Christian faith. 
to believe that the moment you die, the very second you close your eyes in death, that you would go to heaven. And yet such is the belief of millions of Christians today. Now, what has happened to cause that radical change in a fundamental doctrine? The answer is very simple. In the Bible, people do not go to heaven when they die. Heaven in the Bible is nowhere the destination of the dying, said a leading Cambridge biblical scholar within recent years. Now, there's a challenging statement, surely a fit challenge for a Berean Bible student anxious to find out whether what he's hearing is true. How is it that a Cambridge biblical scholar can make such a plain statement, heaven in the Bible is not the destination of the dying? How is it that in 150 A.D., a Christian spokesman can say, don't believe that people are Christians if they say that their souls go to heaven when they die. And yet today in the 20th century, millions upon millions of Bible readers and church attenders do believe that very thing. Something is strange about that situation, and it merits a thorough investigation. The fact is that in the Bible, when a person dies, he is dead until the resurrection. And the resurrection is destined to occur only when Jesus returns. The whole point of Jesus' return is not only to establish the kingdom of God on the earth, but also to raise the faithful dead of all the ages in order to bring them to life to participate in that kingdom. One of the most fundamental of all texts is found in Daniel 12, verse 2, in relation to this great event of the future resurrection of the dead. That text, Daniel 12, verse 2, reads like this, Many of those who are currently sleeping in the dust of the ground will awake, some to the life of the age to come, and others to abhorrence and shame and contempt. You see, those who arise into the kingdom of God via resurrection are those who are now sleeping in the dust of the ground. That text gives us a transparently simple view of what happens when we die. Those who are sleeping in the dust of the ground will awake from that sleep of death in order to come alive through resurrection. Now that verse, Daniel 12, verse 2, tells you where the dead are in the dust of the ground and what they're doing there, sleeping in a state of unconsciousness. I want you to notice it doesn't say many of those bodies which are sleeping in the ground. It says many of those persons who are sleeping in the ground. The idea of separating the soul and the body is a thoroughly pagan Greek idea which unfortunately got mixed up in the faith from the second century onwards in some quarters and eventually took over the faith and turned the faith into something different from what it had been in the writings of all the New Testament apostles and the Hebrew prophets before them. The Bible, you see, is a Hebrew book, and the Hebrews did not believe that there was a soul in man, a spark of life which could not die. This concept of a part of man which can subsist consciously after his death does not come from the Bible at all, but from Greek philosophy. It was the Greeks who taught that man has a so-called immortal soul dwelling within him, and that that immortal soul, being immortal, could not die, and therefore must go on living and surviving after the death of the body. Such an idea is radically opposed to the teaching of Jesus and the apostles, and the sooner we abandon it as an unwanted piece of Greek philosophical baggage,
the more clearly we will be able to relate to Jesus and share his mind. I have to remind you that those who are joined to the Messiah, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 6, 17, are those whose minds and spirits are united to Jesus. Christians are supposed to share the mind of Christ, 1 Corinthians 2, verse 16. And therefore we have to learn what Jesus believed. It's not sufficient just to believe in Jesus. We must believe what Jesus believed. Jesus was the truth, but so was everything that he taught. And we are obligated as Christians to devote ourselves to studying and learning and embracing the same truths and teachings which Jesus himself believed and taught. One of those great truths is about the nature of man. Man is not a bipartite being consisting of an immortal, separable soul that can go on living after we die. That's what the pagan Greeks believed. But in the Bible, man is a unified being, a psychosomatic unit. When the whole man dies, the whole man sleeps in death, and the whole man can recover from death only by the resurrection. And the resurrection is not something that happens to individuals the moment they die. It happens as a great and wonderful community event to occur only when Jesus comes back. It's at the second coming and the seventh trumpet at the end of the final time of great distress and tribulation. It's at that point that the seventh trumpet blows and the dead will be raised to immortality. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 23 says it plainly, those who belong to Christ are going to be raised at his future coming. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 23. If you'd like to acquaint yourself more with this biblical view of what happens to a human being when he or she dies, we invite you to request from us a free booklet entitled What Happens When We Die? We'd be happy to send this to you in the post for your Bible study at home. It will be most illuminating for you to find out that the original view of what happens when we die is not the view being held currently by the majority of people who attend church and read the Bible. An intrusive idea has invaded the church from the world of Greek philosophy against which Paul warned. He warned the Colossian people to beware of philosophy. Unfortunately, as so often is the case, we do not heed the warnings of apostles and the church in the second and third centuries gradually succumbed to the temptation of being like the world, of embracing world philosophies, such as the ones that came from Plato and Aristotle and so on. And it was those Greeks who propounded the idea that man could survive death, that man was innately immortal. This, unfortunately, was in stark contrast and contradiction to the Bible, which in 1 Timothy 6, verse 16 states with absolute clarity that God only has immortality. No one but the one God of Israel, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, has immortality innately. Man must have immortality conferred upon him. He's not born with an immortal spark within him. That's the great lie of the devil in Genesis. It was the devil who stated to Adam and Eve, you will not surely die. But man did indeed become subject to death when he transgressed the clear commandment of God and when he, so to speak, voted for the devil as his ruler by believing the devil's clever lies. Man is not by nature immortal. 
He is mortal. He must gain immortality. And immortality in the Bible can be gained only through Jesus Christ by believing his teachings, by embracing his mind, by coming into union with Jesus Christ, and as a result, being resurrected from the dead when Christ returns in power and glory to establish his kingdom on this renewed earth. An important insight for Bible students is to realize that popular belief is not always the belief of the Bible. We may claim that we're following the Bible, but we may in fact be following simply a traditional interpretation or misinterpretation of the Bible. The celebrated scholar F.F. F. Bruce once wrote that many evangelical Protestants believe that they're going by the Bible and the Bible alone, but that may only mean in many cases that they're going by a traditional explanation of the Bible, which may in fact not be at all an accurate representation of what the Bible actually says. That's why the Berean attitude is so important in all intelligent Christianity. According to Acts 17 verse 11, the Bereans were those who commendably investigated the Scriptures on a daily basis to see if what they'd learned was true, and therefore they became true believers. It's essential for churchgoers to recognize that there are many different opinions around as to the truth of what the Scripture teaches. It would seem most unwise to accept a particular tradition unexamined when others who are equally intelligent have come to a completely contradictory and opposing opinion. We invite you to write to us for our free literature on what happens when we die, our free book on the kingdom, and join us again as we continue with our investigation of Jesus' favorite topic, the gospel about the kingdom of God.